welcome back to Full Focus Entrepreneur Podcast. Today I have Blair with me. Blair is from Talking Monkey Media, which among being like just the coolest names for a company is a pretty cool company. Blair, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Hey, uh, and thank you for having me on, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, I do pretty much everything under the digital marketing umbrella, and that's just a big fancy word for websites and everything that drives traffic to websites. Um, so it's websites, search engine optimization, paid ad uh, advertising management, and then everything that falls under the content marketing umbrella. So blogging, newsletter, newsletters, social media, photography, videography. It's really a one-stop shop, or that's what it's evolved into. Fantastic. Um, so we're going to focus in today's episode a little bit on kind of SEO and making your website really you know, easy to navigate, easy to find, easy to use, and some of those kind of best practices that make it so that people like your website and make it so that Google likes your website. I'm a big believer that Google likes what people like and what they spend time on. And last month I had a guest on to talk a lot about, you know, just what you say on your site and making that really, really engaging. But I'd love for you to kind of unpack for us some of these really important things in the way that you design your site or lay out your site or what you include and how it all fits together to create something that people want to engage with on kind of a logistical level and that Google doesn't hate. Yeah, totally. Um, I, so I think, you know, over, overall, everybody's like, what is SEO? Um, it's, it's black magic. It's, it's fake. (laughs) Um, there's a lot of misconceptions about, uh, search engine optimization and it's really just the activity of on-site activities and off-site activities that help you improve your, uh, your ranking with Google for the keywords that matter to you and matter to your company or your, your business or your, you know, the company you're working for. So can you give me kind of a real world example of what you mean by, you know, these keywords, what you mean by insight and offsite activity? What are those? Like, give me a scenario. Right. So um, we'll, we'll just use a local business um, uh, as an example. And so if you type into your Google browser, uh, plumber near me, because you know, I, I've got a leak right now and I just need real quickly a plumber near me. Um So if you do that search, you're going to get both local results and kind of um, the the regular organic results. And the local results results show up in the map pack. Everybody, they may not know what it's called, but when Google responds with a map with a couple pins on Mm -hmm. it, that is the map pack. And that is pretty much the best place for a local business of this type to rank. So where you show up in that ABC list has a lot to do with how far you are from this person and how well you uh, have made an impression on Google. And, you know, not to get into the too far technical, but there are a set of standards and uh, guidelines that the, you know, Google and the SEO community has provided for how your website should be, what state it should be in, its structure, um, its speed, its content, um, its backend markup. And then offsite, it has a lot to do with how many people are pointing back to your site with backlinks or talking about your site in social circles or referring your site um, from other places as well. So the on-site is going to be literally kind of the 
the code that makes up your site, what it looks like, what content is on your site, and then the offsite is going to be people linking to your site. Yeah, a linking to your site, and you know how you are distributing your content because part a part of SEO. If you're not creating new content, um, you're you're not you're you're not doing it the full or the right way. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I'll just make a few changes to my website and there, I'm SEO optimized. It's never a one and done thing. Um, a big part of SEO is the content that you produce. So, I mean, ultimately, uh, if you, at a, like a, the real high level, where you rank is Google's kind of opinion on your authority on the topic. Um, right. They want to know that you are answering the questions that people are asking. And if so, if the, your users are asking is, I need help, I need a plumber to come fix this pipe, and you provide uh, the right path for that where the people, um, they find your site, they get the right information, they get a hold of you, and they get an appointment, that you've solved that query. And that can apply to anything. Um, if you're running an informational site, it can be, what is a CMS? What is a customer management system? Um, if you answer that correctly or answer it best, better than anybody so that you know Google thinks your authority on this topic is at the top, that's how you rank at the top. So that's really the high level view of what SEO is and how you rank with Google. It's how well you answer their users. It's all about that customer experience. Right. So that's where it goes back to that kind of Google likes what people like. If people spend a lot of time on your website because they're reading the article about how to do X, Y, or Z that's going to indicate to Google that your website has good content. And you're also saying that it needs to have new content. So it needs to be answering new questions. Absolutely. And you're, and you're dead on with that. Um, there was a time and place in the past where um, you could stuff keywords and repeat keywords and, and, and your content could look like a bunch of garbled mess, but you would actually rank. Um, Google's gotten a lot smarter and they want to know that you have human readable content that answers the questions. It's not content with a bunch of keyword stuffed in it that doesn't, none of that stuff works anymore. So you're absolutely right. Which is probably best for most of the businesses, you know, that you and I work with because, you know, human beings are going to look at your keywords stuffed at the bottom of the thing. You go, what the heck is this down here? Right. Absolutely. It, you know, there's a lot of people trying to sell a lot of things that really don't care about their customers and the black hat or the, the sketchy methods that people use are still popular. They, they still happen today, but these are usually websites trying to, you know, sell uh, weight loss in mm -hmm. uh, a, a kaya snake berry. Snake oil. And, yeah, it, basically snake oil. Would you say then that in SEO, anybody who's talking about like, you know, SEO like hacks and tips and, you know, workarounds that most of those are, you know, full of shit. Absolutely. If somebody says they guarantee you a spot on Google, they're lying. Um, okay. they, nobody can guarantee you a spot on Google. If they say they can rank you over the weekend, um, you can go from unranked to being number one. That's a lie. And even if they do, they've used sketchy methods, which Google will pick up on. And then Google puts you dead last and it'll be a struggle to get back out. So you, you can know. get, so you can get blacklisted for this. You can get, there's penalties. There's all kind oh, of wow. penalties in the, in the Google algorithm, which is, you know, the, the long computation of how you rank 
is the Google quote unquote algorithm. They change it all the time. They don't tell you what they change. Um, so you kind of, it's kind of a guessing game. Okay. So before we scare everyone uh, about, you could get blacklisted by Google and you could, you could wreck your SEO. Most people who have, uh, for example, most of my clients have a website hosted with, you know, Squarespace or Wix or WordPress, one of these builders that mm-hmm. does kind of the back end for them. So when you were talking about that on site, you know, structure, those are mostly going to be taken care of if you've used a builder like that. Or if you've hired someone like Talking Monkey Media to build your site, you guys are going to do all that back end structure. So we don't have to worry about that, right? Um, for the most part, yes. And, you know, it, it actually, to be honest, most websites are, are in good shape by just doing the basics, um, having good metadata. Um, having good content and, and regular updated content, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, for the, for the average person, that is enough. Um, it, especially if you're on Wix, um, there's only so much you can do. But if you fill out fill out the fields that they provide you, it's it's plenty well enough. But if you're trying to rank for like a national term, like you know, car insurance uh, across the nation, then it, it then it gets down into some nitty gritty technical stuff that. You know, the average Joe doesn't have to worry about, but the right. companies that are doing national SEO, I mean, they're pouring thousands of dollars. They've got whole departments it. for it. Exactly. Um, so the basics that WordPress, um, you know, to an extent, and then uh, Squarespace and Wix, the basics they provide are good enough actually for most small companies. Fantastic. Real quick. I want to back you up. Could you explain what metadata is? Sure. Um, and, and the best way I can do this is, again, if you do a Google search on, you know, let's say car insurance, um, the websites that are returned in that list, you are seeing the metadata. There are two basic meta fields that matter, um, meta title and meta description. So if you do a search on car insurance, the, the kind of the headline is the meta title, you know, progressive is number one, blah, blah, blah. And then the paragraph or the couple sentences underneath of that is the meta description. Um, Google wants to know that you've filled those out, that you've been, you've created human readable language about your business without any fluff. Uh, you, it's basically a chance to say who you are, what you do, and where you do it. Um, so it's like a little elevator pitch summary of a page. Right. And when people are doing searches, it's your chance to do the little elevator pitch. You know, we're number one. Here's all the reasons why. And we work in Richmond or we work wherever. So for for kind of the, the lay person, we're used to seeing these all the time because whenever you Google something, you have the listings. And yes, it will tell you the web address, but it will have a title for that site and it'll have, you know, a sentence and a half, two sentences. That's that metadata, correct? Correct. Yep, absolutely. And I think some places uh, for reference call that a different thing. I think on Squarespace, they call it the SEO title and the SEO description instead of saying metadata. Okay. Um, but I think that's just a Squarespace quirk to make it seem, you know, because metadata sounds like I have to know binary or something. It does have a weird term to it <laughs> um, that doesn't really instantly tell people what it means. So most people are going to be just fine in terms of the structure of their site if they're using one of the industry standard websites. Yeah, I would I would say so. And they've and they've taken the opportunity to fill all the available fields out. Absolutely. I think some of them will auto 
generate, but you don't want to leave that up to a computer to pick out what the most important things about your website are. Correct. Let's move on uh, first to the off-site things that you can be doing. You talked about uh, showing up elsewhere on the internet, being linked to, being talked about. What does that look like? If I had to say, uh, you know, if it's I don't get asked this a lot, but you know, what is the one thing I can be doing to help my SEO? And that would be creating and distributing regular helpful content, regular informative content. Um, so for example, I, I create a blog on three uh, SEO tips. Um, I create an article on that. And then I take that article and I share it through all my channels. I share it through my Facebook page. I share it through my LinkedIn. Um, but it can go a lot further than that. There's bookmarking sites out there you can share it to. You can reblog it on places like Blogger or, or, or WordPress.org, which is the blogger version of WordPress. Mm-hmm. So you can take that or same content. Like Yep. There's all kinds of channels and it, it's going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, LinkedIn's not super important for the guy cutting grass, um, but sure. it is important for consultants and whatnot. Uh, Nextdoor is a better place for that landscaper to be sharing his content. So this is about sharing content on social media, sharing it with other websites. I would imagine that also collaboration plays into this a lot. If I wrote a blog post for, uh, you know, somebody else's blog, I actually have one going up uh, depending on when this episode goes up, it'll either be last week or next week. Um, I wrote a blog for them and it links back to my website. That is going to help me SEO wise too, right? Absolutely. Now you're getting into advanced SEO. Honestly, when you're doing guest posting, um, which means you provide an article and basically in exchange for a link Mm -hmm. Um, and Google, Google has said they frown upon this, but it really is an effective and safe way um, to, uh, you know, to get a backlink and to get a relevant backlink. And I'm going to link you, for example, you were a guest on this podcast in the show notes, people will be able to find the link to your website that would help you out SEO wise, correct? Absolutely. And there's all kinds of local ways to to find backlinks. There can be um, neighborhood organizations. Um, There can be schools that have preferred vendors um, or, you know, something that you sponsor, you sponsor a youth league and they, they give you a link on their website for that year. All of those, all of those help. And those are all clean ways to do it. Um, You know, you can buy backlinks off the internet and, you know, somebody will say, I'll sell you a hundred backlinks. That is a surefire way to get really low quality and dangerous backlinks to your site that will penalize you instead of help you. Um, Google is not dumb. They know <laughs> they can sniff these things out a mile away. And honestly, they're usually offered by overseas companies who could care less about right. the, the outcome or the impact on your business. So the way you're talking about guest posting and other just Local opportunities for a local business, those are golden for for backlinks and will definitely help SEO. Real collaboration and real content creation are what's helping you on the outbound. Yeah. And for in the kind of the other external activity, uh, I would recommend for local businesses or anybody that can have uh, a review repository is to work on your reviews. Um, they are a huge part of where businesses show up in the map pack. Mm-hmm. Again, the plumber near me example, 
Um, in most cases, you're going to see companies with 50 or 100 or more reviews in competitive spaces like this. HVAC, um, any of the emergency home services are super competitive locally. Um, so having a good review program, increasing your positive reviews is a huge part of local SEO as well. That's another activity I would recommend. Yeah. So do you recommend that only for people who have kind of a brick and mortar, I'm a plumber, I go to your house kind of job? Or does that also translate to, say, a business like mine where, first of all, I'm not limited to local. And second of all, people, you know, there's not necessarily a, a Yelp listing for Elizabeth Tolis business coaching. Right. And, and so Yelp isn't the right place for you. But Google My Business is. Your Facebook page is another. Um, you could have a review repository on Trustpilot. So the, the answer is absolutely. Reviews are important no matter what kind of uh, business you're in. Um, like I, I have one for, I have a Google My Business set up for ReviewMonkey because mm-hmm. it's its own entity and I'm able to collect reviews there as well. Um, so explain review absolutely. monkey for us. Um, well, review monkey is a platform I created that does what we are talking about helps with reviews. Um, and it does that by engaging in a customer feedback process. Uh, so review monkey sends a text to your customer and says, Hey, how did it go? And you know, obviously you've done a great job with all your customers. Um, and they've click, they click the thumbs up and the thumbs up takes them to where they would leave a review for your business. So it automates the, the, the customer kind of the feedback loop and mm-hmm. directs them to where they should leave a review. Um, everybody says, Hey, leave us a review. But if you leave it to the average person to have to go out and hunt and find right. where they're going to leave a review, they're not going to do Unless it. Unless something went with to- really horribly wrong. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like if, if people are mad, they're going to find you much more than when they're happy. It's just how it is. Um, so this makes it nice and easy and, uh, kind of handholds the person to say, Hey, we did a great job. Here's where to leave us a review. Um, so by, by automating that you, you, you increase your chances of getting a pool of positive reviews. That's fantastic. Cause this is something that big companies have already built into their systems. You know, I buy something from Ann Taylor loft and they ask me for my feedback immediately. Yeah. And this is something that's been, this is nothing new. Um, this is, uh, a part of advanced CMS systems, um, for like medical offices. Mm-hmm. They say, Oh, Hey, you, you know, you have an appointment in 15 minutes. And when you're done with the appointment, they automatically send you a text that says, Hey, how did it go? Trying to get you to leave a review. This review monkey kind of, it fits just under companies that are um, technically savvy like that. So your basic HVAC company does not have a functionality like right. this. So it's priced, it's priced and built for the average company that isn't using a franchise CMS or isn't using a high-end medical CMS. Right. So this is for the plumber around the corner. Yes, ma'am. I want to shift gears um, and talk a little bit more. You and I, in a separate discussion, you'd mentioned uh, important things to have on your your landing page. The page, you know, the homepage is where I get most of my page views. I'm sure that it's pretty typical that that's kind of the most arrived at website. It's probably my most linked to URL. What is really important about that page and making it pop? Gotcha. Uh, So... so 
you have to put yourself into the mentality of the average user and basically pretend they're a goldfish. Uh, they are going to arrive at your site and if they haven't found what they need in five or six seconds, they're going to leave and go look at the other side of the fishbowl. So uh, the idea is that you get almost every important piece of messaging and functionality above the fold on the website. And above the fold is an old advertising term, meaning the top half of the newspaper as it relates to websites. Above the fold is what pops up when you open a website without scrolling down. So people should have a way to know who you are, uh, your branding, mm -hmm. what you do, um, what value you add, uh, how to get in touch with you, whether that's a contact form button or a phone number, and then basically what you want them to do. What is your call to action? Um, we want that above the fold too. Um, if they have to hunt to create an appointment with you, you're likely going to lose that person. If you want people to book appointments or get quotes online, that button should be front and center right under, you know, Joe's plumbing. We're a family owned business. That's awesome. Book an appointment. Those things should all be above the fold. And so this is all intended to kind of eliminate those people who click on, don't see what they're looking for and go back to Google search results and go to the one, the next listing down. Correct. Um, everybody, you know, most websites have a lot more content, but the truth is that only a few percent of your readers are going to continue reading. And usually those are people who have already maybe started the, the, the process with your company. And, mm -hmm. Okay. Now I want to read more about this person. I do want to read the about section and the personnel section and the team and what nonprofits they work with, all those other things that companies put in the rest of their content. Um, it should be there, but you're, your above the fold should almost kind of be its own entity that can function on its own and serve your cus new customers and old customers um, or your current customers uh, from that space. Okay. So we're saying that this beginning is your book jacket, your chance to get people to buy the book. Yes, some people who are coming to your website are intending to read the whole book anyway because they came to your website looking for all this information. But we have to have the the key hooks, the key, you know, why you should read this whole thing and what to yes. read first in that first view. That's a great analogy. I want to real quick piggyback off this because uh, I think that this is actually something I'm a big I've mentioned it a couple times. I'm a big Squarespace lover. I love that it allows most of my clients to manage their own websites. Um, if you are out of Squarespace's functionality, please go talk to Blair. He will build you a perfect, beautiful website. But for most people, Squarespace is really great. But this is something that I don't think they do very well. I think a lot of their templates give you a lot of empty space above the fold. They give you, you know, it's beautiful and minimal and really well, you know, really spaced out, but it can often have a lot of unused real estate. And so this is where you may need to tweak to make sure you're getting the full navigation view and, you know, some of those important buttons and photos and text up at the top and not just one photo. And that's all that they get to decide if they're going to continue. And you're absolutely right. And I tell people to keep this in mind if they are template shopping. The template is built for you to buy it, right? It may not necessarily be 
the best template for your customer. You're the customer in this scenario. Oh, it's got a great big photo. Well, yeah, they're they're emphasizing on how cool that photo is, but they're again, they're not just like you said, they're not utilizing that space to help your company. So you're absolutely right, and that's not just limited to Squarespace. Wix templates do it. Uh, you know, sh- there's Shopify templates that have just a big picture and a title. And this is supposed to be an e-commerce store. You know, what are you selling, and why is it awesome? Like, you, you so many themes miss the point, but they make a lot of sales because <laughs> they appeal to the website owner that goes, "Oh, that's that's badass looking. I'm going to get that," but it doesn't actually do the trick. And I wanna, I wanna you know, put out the caveat. I am not saying that you should have a super cluttered top of the fold, lots of flashing lights, big buttons, like a, you know, it's not 2010. Please don't do that. Yeah. Don't stuff it. Don't, don't, but don't leave out the important, you know, if you have five important elements, get them, get them all on there and, and space them out nicely. Design's a big part of it too. And base it on your sales process. So if you convert a lot of people from your blog because they, you know, they go dive into your content and they read all of your blog posts and they learn about you and the way that you work. And that's where you're getting the engagement and the conversion. Then your blog is the thing that you're you're pushing right top of the first page. If you convert best in a one-on-one meeting, then the schedule a free consult button should be in, you know, very accessible to people. Absolutely. What other things would you say in terms of you know, designing your site, laying out your site, what things you put on the site that are going to help you to create a site that people like. I, I think the the pitfall that a lot of companies fall into, and, and I have to uh, not hurt feelings, but kind of shoot down things sometimes is people will put things on their website that they want to see. You really have to put your feet into the shoes of your user because they are the only people that's important. I have to tell companies all the time, that's not important. Okay, you you saying that you have the best pricing in Richmond, that is not sometimes the most important thing. Um, or, you know, here's our softball team. You know, it's a good chance that most people don't care about that. And not to hurt feelings and not to shoot down people's babies because they get very attached <laughs> to their brand and oh, yeah. they fall in love with it and they want to show it off. But what's important is the user. They are the hero in this story and not you. So that's how I would go about planning out a site. Um, that's how I go about planning out a site with any of my clients. And I do have to break that down sometimes that, hey, this isn't this isn't great. Yeah. Okay. So what things do you find for the average business are going to be some of those really important things to highlight? Um, if people are going to read your about us, it is good to show uh, a personal side. In my opinion, uh, show your team members. If you're the plumber in town, I keep beating this example up, (laughs) but you know, let's see pictures of your plumber. I want to see Joe before he, before he shows up. I've already seen Joe's face. That's an instant trust factor versus a complete stranger showing up. Um, so don't be afraid to get personal without getting too personal and don't be afraid to boast about the cool things you do, you know, here's our nonprofit program or here's our give back program. Um, but it, it should again, be things that will make that, that customer cherish you even more. But for a broad answer, it really is, uh, what you've designed the site 
to do. And that's a very generic statement, but I am the big believer that every website should have a job. It should have a function that takes something off of your desk at the end of the day, whether that's serving existing clients with forms or uh, information or a scheduling tool, or uh, it's capturing new clients with an advanced newsletter sign up or a survey or an ebook giveaway um, in exchange for that sign up. It, the website should be performing a job, and that's what one of the functions should be is hey, come do this easy function here. We built it out. Um, for example, on the Synapse website, their uh, request or join a, a a hub functionality. It was one of the big things we worked on. So people could go right to the website, sign up to visit a visit a networking meeting, um, and it'd be very clean and very simple. So that was that's the main job of that website. Right. And that took 80 hours off of people's desks. 80 hours a week. That's fantastic. That is a really, really excellent point. And it goes back to something that in Full Focus Entrepreneur with my members, we talk about a lot is before you do anything, before you start a podcast, before you join a networking group, before you build a website, before you order business cards, you need to know what its job is. What is the intention? What is the what part of the overall strategy of your business is this piece fulfilling? And that's going to tell you what is important. So for me personally, I actually have two websites. I have elizabethtolis.com and that is for new people. That's for prospects. That's for sales. And then I have separately fullfocusentrepreneur.com, which is where my membership is hosted. And that is for my current clients. And that is for people who already know they want to work with me to look at the different ways that they can work with me. And so those have completely different layouts. They have completely different navigations. They have completely different, honestly, the color schemes are slightly different because they have very, very different intentions. I love that you're pointing out that the most important content is not some blanket answer of you must have an opt-in, but it is this, uh, it is very much based on what you hope to accomplish by having a website. Yeah. A website is a, it's an opportunity. It, it is an opportunity to serve old and new. And if you, you know, if you're just throwing up your basic three, four page website with the contact us button, you're not taking advantage of that opportunity. Right. That's a glorified business ma- card. It's a, it's the manila folder of websites. It's <laughs> a plain manila folder with three pages inside of it that nobody's going to read. Um, it, it should be captivating, but it should have a job and it's an opportunity that a lot of people are wasting. That is really fantastic. Real quick, uh, with our kind of last few minutes here, I'd love if you could rapid fire me some do's and don'ts on websites. What are some great oh. things you've seen? What are some horrible things you've seen? Um, auto playing video and audio oh, I is, hate a, that. Is, is a don't. Um, okay. A pop up as soon as I start reading your website. It's a surefire way to get me to close it. Absolutely. Um, there are other times for pop-ups, but it shouldn't be the first thing that blasts in my face. Um, do it on an exit. Do an exit pop-up. As people and you know, stuff smart days, they, they know when people are about to leave a website. Do a pop-up then. 
Um, but the in your face, anything like that. Um, that interrupts people when they were engaging with your content. Like I was yeah, reading if that. I'm in the middle of, if I'm in the middle of reading a sentence and you do that, I'm like, bye. <laughs> I don't even read the pop-up. I just assume that it's either going to give me 10% off, which is not nearly enough percent off for me to be interested, or it's going to ask me a question that I don't want to answer yet. Don't make the website about you. Do make it about the hero in your story, which is your customer. Beautiful. Um, do make your website have a job. Um, I was going to say don't do it in Flash, but that has pretty much been removed from the internet. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> That's about all. I, about about all I have. Um, all right. You know. Give me an example of a really fantastic website on the internet for a local business that our listeners can go check out. As an example, it can be one that you've okay. built. I just full, full, full freedom there. Um, so if you go to pagetpropertiesva.com, and that's P-A-D-G-E-T-T, propertiesva.com, this is one we just finished. Um, this is a, uh, a real estate company in Richmond that does both real estate sales, real estate buying, and property management. And this site is full of forms and repositories of, of pe- all the people they serve. They have an owner section, they have a tenant section, they have a buyer section, a seller section, each with its own individual functions and forms. And we have a very clear messaging uh, right, right as we open the site. Great picture of Richmond, clear messaging of what they do. And if you go do or read the about us, we get into the team, um, the husband and wife team that lead this company and the people that work with them. And then again, eat all of the, uh, the, the property management and the sales and buying page all have their own repositories of uh, functionality for all the people that they serve. Um, so if somebody wants to sell a home, Crystal says, all right, go to my sell a home page and fill out my seller's uh, seller questionnaire. So right then and there, she has all the information on this person without, you know, them rattling it off on the phone. Um, same thing with a buyer. Uh, and people that are trying to rent a property from them can apply right right there on their website. So it's just a, it's it's a higher evolved local website for sure. And I did build it. I don't have any examples of other people's websites. Sorry. <laughs> Real quick, personal opinion, chatbots. Live chat features. Do we like them? Yes. And well, so there, there's, there's a, there's a couple different kinds or there is a, a, a wide spectrum of chat bots. There are chat bots that say, Hey, how's it going? And then you say, Hey, I want to find your services page. Um, and, and they, and it has, you know, three pre chosen answers for every question. They're dumb, smart, they're dumb chatbots and they don't do anything. On the other side, there are highly intelligent chatbots that will find content and that will, if you want to, put you in contact with somebody. So there's a, there's a, and there's also just plain chat chatbots. And if you Mm -hmm. type, you know, hello on the website, it goes to somebody's phone. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a conversation, which in my opinion is can be a taxing on a business owner. Okay, now I have to answer this channel of communication as well. 
But if you have the smart bots that actually do something, um, that actually answer questions and are intelligent, and there's some out there that are wicked intelligent, but they're also wicked expensive. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to be a, a part of websites going forward, um, and they're probably going to be um, a part of every website kind of going forward that is trying to be informative. Um, a lot of people are using chatbots, and I know a couple of people that are developed them that uh, it's, it's, it's growing rapidly. Fantastic. I'm going to end this interview the same way I end all of my interviews. You run a successful company, and that means that you have to juggle all of the hats of being an entrepreneur. How do you stay focused? <laughs> oh, boy. I use, and this is very caveman-like, I use, I actually use three books. I have, um, and I, I still use pen and paper. And so it comes down to me for kind of, I have a master list book. I have a, a project to do list. And then I have my journal and the lines between them are blurred. I would not recommend this system to anybody, <laughs> but it's, it's what works for me. Um, the best system yeah, is I, the one that you will use. Yeah. Pen and paper. And I've, I, I've been in business a, a while since 07. I've tried everything under the book, um, you know, uh, online tasks, task lists, uh, workflow stuff. It, it, nothing works like pen and paper for me. And I know there's some science behind that. When you write something down, you're more likely to keep it in memory. So that definitely works for me. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I still use a paper planner and a paper to-do list. And I have a hybrid digital system, but business coach approved writing things down is a per perfectly acceptable <laughs> tactic. You don't have to be quite so ashamed of it. If anybody saw it, they'd probably go, what is wrong with you, buddy? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me and teaching us all sorts of great things about SEO and about making your website really spectacular. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you for spending your time with me, Elizabeth Tolis, here in the Emerald office. If you want to hear, watch, read, and learn more about entrepreneurship, focus, and living a life of impact, I invite you to check out Full Focus Entrepreneur, where I coach small business owners to be more effective, more organized, more profitable, and more impactful. If you're interested in listening to more of me talking to myself and others, please check out the Emerald office, where all the episodes for all of my podcasts can be found. Both the Emerald Office and Full Focus Entrepreneur, as well as my social media and the show notes, can be most easily found at elizabethtolis.com. And I want to especially thank Eric Tolis, who made the sweet backtrack you're listening to now, and Maria Carius, who made the beautiful artwork that graces this podcast's cover. A link to all of Maria's art can be found in the show notes.